0: It's a bonus episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jesky. Each week, I watch and analyze a whole heck of a lot of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. So why am I doing this bonus podcast? Well, let's get into it. Friday night, freak out, Fox News melts down over Trump's legal fiascos. And I have a feeling... Call me crazy, but we're going to be doing a lot of these. We, 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 as in me and the cats, are going to be doing a lot of these in the upcoming months. Weeks, days, who knows? So I wanted to do a separate podcast for this because there's so much here. So on Friday, the news hit that Donald J. Trump might have to pay a $355 million judgment in his civil fraud trial in New York State. If he, does, if he doesn't overturn the ruling on appeal, he could also be barred from doing business in New York State for three years. Last week, Fox News had already spent an inordinate amount of time covering a hearing that involved Fonnie Willis, the district attorney of Fulton County, and in a consensual romantic relationship she had with a member of her legal team. The Fonnie Willis hearing seemed to work the Fox News host's up into a frenzy when the news and so when the news hit on friday about trump's civil fraud trial the on air personalities spiraled i compiled a collection of memorable quotes about both court cases it's mostly about the trump civil fraud trial but as the evening wore on um fox hosts sort of drifted into going back to what they were talking about before which is the Fonnie willis case um, so the evening started with an extended 17-minute segment on The Five, which is quite long for that show. Normally that first A block is around, you know, 10 to 13 minutes. So 17s long. And they dedicated the whole thing about the civil fraud trial and the judgment against Trump and the Trump Organization. So I just wanna give a shout out to right now to my sponsor before I get into this cause it's this sort of like a story and I don't wanna interrupt it. So Decoding Fox News is sponsored by listeners to this podcast and readers of my Substack channel at Decoding Fox News. You can also become a paid supporter at my Patreon channel which is also Decoding Fox News. All paid subscribers and paid supporters get bonus content right now it's going to be the written version of this podcast which includes includes hyperlinks and charts and looks really nifty i'm going to leave some of it open for everybody if you want to take a look at it first to you know question if you want to be a paid subscriber paid subscribers are only five dollars a month um and what am i saying oh if you can't afford to be a paid subscriber please feel free to share the podcast share the newsletter That also helps grow the audience, which ultimately will help grow the paid subscribers. So thank you so much and we'll get into it right now. And this first clip, and I'm not sure why, but every time something really dramatic happens for Fox News and Jesse Waters is on the five, he tends to dominate. He just won't shut up and he'll go on and on and on. So there's a lot of Jesse Waters in this clip.
1: This is not the Trump organization. You say people don't want to be involved in the Trump organization? Like dozens of Fortune 500 companies who are tenants in his buildings. People love working for the Trump organization. The doormen, the guys that work in the elevator. There's no people that are complaining about getting swindled who Trump's are working for the Trump name organization. Trump's has been ripped off
0: all of the buildings along the West Side Highway. Okay. So, Jesse Waters just making up reality there because, of course, Donald J. Trump has a long history of shortchanging or stiffing contractors. An investigation by USA Today found hundreds of contractors from carpenters, dishwashers, and painters who weren't paid for the work on various Trump properties. And he's also been known to not pay his attorneys. And Mother Jones did a whole expose on the amount of times attorneys have sued him for not paying. So that's pretty bad if you're not paying your attorneys. If you're someone like Trump, who's constantly suing people, and then you don't pay your attorneys, you're going to end up with Alina Haba, who is now my new favorite person on the planet because she's so unintentionally hilarious. But so (laughs) that's how this started. It's going to get more contentious.
2: The things Jessica says, is, "Well, we've seen all these people who are ripped off by Donald Trump. There is a right to due process. That's not due process. And I, I will bet my house. This is reversed, ON APPEAL. Let me tell you something. This woman, Leticia, she campaigned on fighting
1: people instead of crime. You can't go outside without worrying about getting pickpocketed. This city's a mess. And she's fighting a case like this.
0: Now, since Judge Janine just bet her home, I would love to throw my hat in the ring and say, "Okay, I will put my 450 square foot co-op apartment—very hippy-dippy—that's a New York thing, co-ops—but I will put my little apartment in the ring. And if 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 he does win, (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. But if he does uh, not get, he does not win in on an appeal, then I think we should find a good pet rescue organization. There's plenty in New York and Judge Jeanine Pirro's home will become an animal rescue. I think it's fair. I think it's good because, you know, she better home and then my, nobody wants my home except for, you know, a student. It's like a very dorm room when you, um, Thor is making a lot of noise right now. My, when you live in 450 square feet, you're just reminded of like, this is, I'm still kind of living like I did when I was 22, everything is kind of stacked on top of each other. And like, if you move one thing, you gotta move 10 things. Cause it's like living on a ship. Anyway, I digress. I love my apartment. I'm very, very thankful for it. So anyway, Jesse Waters and pretty much everybody on Fox news and a lot of people in the media in general are getting this wrong. Leticia James, attorney general for the state of New York. So she's f- mostly looking at state level crimes. It's a lot of white-collar crime that gets covered by that office. Um, There's various things, but she's looking at kind of bigger, broader things. She's not concerned with street crime in New York City. That would be Alvin Bragg's job, because he's the district attorney for Manhattan. And New York is so enormous, because it's 8.4 million people, we have district attorneys for each borough. So there's a Staten Island, a Bronx, a Queens, a Brooklyn. Okay, so... (laughs) and and this is always going to make me mad look it up you know if you got five minutes and you want it, just type in new york city crime compared to other cities new york city and i have lived here for 20 what year is it 23 23 years has the lowest level of crime for any major city in the united states Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. The reason why people have this perception that New York City is out of control with crime is because it's so freaking big. You can always find a crime story here. It's 8.4 million people, which is more than the state that I grew up in. Missouri is like 6 million people. So, yes, there's a lot of people. And you can always find a crime story and you can always find, you know, alarming sounding numbers because, again, it's an enormous city. But if you look at it on a per capita basis, New York is below pretty much every major city in Florida, most cities in Texas. It just goes on and on and on. We have a very, very low crime rate. And it's partly because we have incredibly strict uh, rules on guns, but that's a whole other conversation, but that is part of it. And we have also, you can debate this all you want, we have an enormous, huge, it's, it's larger than some countries' armies, POLICE FORCE, SO, YES, VERY LOW CRIME HERE, PLEASE STOP TRASHING MY CITY, BUT HERE HE GOES, AND NOW HE TRIES TO ACT LIKE HE'S SOME SORT OF EXPERT ON REAL ESTATE, AND HE IS NOT.
1: IF YOU WANT TO SELL YOUR APARTMENT OR IF YOU WANT TO GET A LOAN AGAINST YOUR PROPERTY, YOU GO TO THE BANK, YOU SAY THIS IS WHAT THE APARTMENT'S WORTH, THE BANK SAYS I THINK IT'S THIS WORTH, AND THEN YOU GUYS COME TO AN AGREEMENT and YOU GET A LOAN OR YOU SELL IT TO SOMEBODY.
0: But. He does better in the primary, but if you look at, and we talked about this in Iowa and New Hampshire, when you talk to voters about what's going to happen in a general election and if he is convicted of something, 32% in Iowa said they won't vote for him. Over 50% in New Hampshire said they won't vote for him. People don't want to vote for a felon. Excellent point there by Jessica Tarloff. Uh, Just want to point out what Jesse Waters actually said, I'll slow it down by saying it myself. If you want to sell your apartment or you think you want to get a loan against your property, you go to the bank and say, This is what the apartment's worth. Okay, on what planet do you do that? <laughs> I think when you get a home equity loan, they're a little bit more lenient about that because they kind of have you already. They kind of have you, right? And they already have your equity. So they're a little bit more like, Yeah, okay, your apartment's worth that. When you get a mortgage, however, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. god took me a year. That's why I say I'm very thankful for this tiny apartment. It took me a year to get this place because I kept losing deals. <laughs> I had an apartment that I really liked uh, that I put a bid in, and I was talking to the seller and had a broker, and things were going great. And then the bank came back to me and was like, yeah, this, is, this, this apartment is overvalued. Uh, if you want to get a mortgage for it, you're going to have to cough up $40,000. And I just went, are you – you have everything i've ever had already <laughs> i don't have an extra forty thousand dollars and they're like you can't just come up with that i'm like no i cannot <laughs> so the deal fell through and this was after months months of going back and forth and back and forth and anyway so no The bank will do a lot of things. They send in an inspector, an appraisal. They look at every single thing. And then the thing, this is where I got screwed. They look at apartments or homes that are similar in the neighborhood. And they say, well, this one sold for this amount of, you know, this one sold for my apartment's not this expensive. But I'm just going to it's this is more of like a normal house price in the United States. They'll say, okay, so this this, this house sold for $300,000, and this house sold for $310,000, and this house sold for 290000 and these are all in your neighborhood, and they're all very similar to your house, but you're trying to, the seller of your house is trying to get three sixty. We don't think it's worth that. That's kind of what happened to me. So that's how complicated this is. You don't just go to a bank and work it out, and then... He also says, and then you guys come to an agreement and you get a loan or you sell it to somebody. Isn't that cute? Wouldn't it be fun if real estate was that easy? It is not. Real estate is painful, painful, painful. Break your heart. The other thing that kept happening to me, side note, is this is, and this is very New York real estate. I'm going to get into that um, in the podcast. But in New York City, I was looking at a very cheap place because, you know, tiny apartment, one person um i had liquidated an ira i had you know saved all this money for literally most of my adult life to to buy this tiny little apartment and i would walk in and i but i had to get a mortgage of course and i would walk in and i'd be like hi here's my paperwork here's my broker here's my here's everything i'm ready to go and they would go great We're, we're gonna start the paperwork with you right away our lawyers will call your lawyer and it'll be fine. And I'm like, thank you so much. And I'd walk out and I'd get a phone call. I'd get a phone call like a few hours later and they'd go, I'm so sorry, Miss Jeske, but somebody just walked in with cash. And I'm like (laughs) So people were just buying apartments with cash that's new york it'll break you that's why all of this talk about new york real estate i'm like you have no idea until you have been here and you have tried to fight this demon how hard it is people would just walk in with cash and just boom and of course the seller had you know they were allowed to do that because i wasn't in contract yet anyway <laughs> um another thing and i talked about this in the last podcast but i and i'm gonna give her a shout out because i didn't give her a shout out in the last podcast, but the teacher that I worked with on this project that was dealing with New York real estate developers was named Barbara Gray, and she works at the New York Times. I'm not sure if she works there anymore because um, she's a full-time faculty member at, I'll give them a plug, the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. CUNY stands for City University of New York. It's part of the c- city and state um, university system. Barbara Gray had this great idea that we were going to break down exactly like what was going on with these major real estate situations. And this is very, very relevant to the Trump case. So what was happening, and this was happening all over the city, and it was the same high roller uh, real estate investors, which by the way, in terms of real estate investment, uh, Trump is a not even a big fish. He's a name, he gets a lot of press. Before he was president, he was very good at working the press, but there are families that own so much more than him. <laughs> NYU owns more than him. Columbia University owns more than him. They're in the top 10 usually, but they just, there's there's people who, oh, and I've worked for them as a face painter, weirdly. I work for them for their kids' parties, but like I've worked for incredibly rich people. They own, like when you say they own the skyline of, of New York, that is not Trump. Anyway, this is what real estate developers do. They take, like, let's say you're going to buy a building for $100 million. They get a mortgage for that building. Uh, The bank is more than happy to give them a mortgage for the building. One of the things they look at is how many people live in the building, what are the rents they pay, how much income does this building generate. If it's stores, how much are they paying for rent? All of that. Can you increase the rent over time? And they look at that. Is there, like, a maintenance person you have to pay their salary? All of this is looked at. Insurance, all of this. Okay, you get the mortgage. And then, what a normal person would do if you were buying a building and you are you just, you know, you're just, you like a normal person who buys like a, a three flat and you live in one flat and you rent out this, this, the other two flats, you would probably improve the building, do everything you could to keep the value up, keep your tenants happy, keep the money coming in. That's how a normal person would handle it. Real estate investors at this level, what they do, and we could prove it because we went on this, comp- this, um, website called property shark and we were able to look up the history of every single building we could also look up this is all publicly available when a real estate developer bought a, 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 a building you can usually see where they bought other buildings so you could see like their whole Empire all completely legal and they would call these things LLCs to sort of hide who they were but you could you could always trace it back and almost always and so all these little LLCs all over the place, and then what you'd see, okay, so they bought a building for $100 million. They got a $100 million mortgage. Maybe they put $30 million down. And then they immediately, sometimes within weeks, take out another loan on that building. And the, the loans would be in the millions of dollars. And you're like, where's that money going? What are they doing? And then they do it again and again and again and again. Meanwhile, the tenants don't get anything fixed. Uh, the tenants are treated like garbage the same developer is trying to do everything in his or her or the corporation's power to crank up rents to get as much money to extract as much wealth out of that building. And then when they finally hit the wall and they can't take any more loans out, they sell the building. And in New York, someone will buy the building. And it's so crazy that you can find the history of who bought and sold a building. You can find, all of this is again, publicly available information. And um, in this kind of weird, bizarro real estate world, there's all these trade publications that publish this stuff. And they'll say, you know, XYZ billionaire just bought a former homeless shelter. And you're going, why would you do that? They're extracting equity. It is out of control. I don't know if it's still happening now with interest rates what they are, but when they were around, you know, rock bottom this was a huge problem in New York City so when he says he's changing the value of his buildings and he's swindling these banks what he was doing and I have no doubt that the people at the Trump Organization were doing this they just you what you do is you have one building you take out a loan you use that money to buy another building or you use that money to put money into another building it's like a big shell game it's like gambling to these people And normal people do not live like this. And when they default and they foreclose, the banks don't care because these people have so much money. Maybe they pay a slightly higher interest rate. Big freaking deal because they're just going to do this over and over and over and over again. It's bizarre to know that this is real and that this is 100% legal, but it is. But what Trump was doing is he was changing all the valuations and lying to banks. And that's where he got into trouble so anyway not to go in a little bit of a lecture there but i think it's very very important to get this um context out because it's not really getting out in the press because most of the press doesn't understand new york city real estate or especially like high level new york city real estate they just don't know because how would they know it's nuts so moving on we go from the five to special report by brett bear oh by the way i'm gonna get into this so um on the five the top 5 topics for friday because i thought this was kind of fun the trump civil fraud trial judgment took up 44% of its airtime biden going to east palestine 23% fani willis scandal 22% dei is evil that's diversity equity and inclusion and then radical climate protesters that dei was 7% Radical climate protesters, 4%. Now moving on to special report with Brett Baer, which uh, Friday night was hosted by Shannon Bream. Now this one's subtle, but I was falling over laughing. Now we are awaiting remarks from former President Trump. We will monitor that. We'll bring you
2: any breaking news when we do hear from him. Two major courtroom dramas today involving legal action against former President Trump.
0: Now she's gonna to cut to a Fox News correspondent named Eric Sean. Now he's not trying to be funny, but he's got such a dry delivery that just the way he says this, to me at least, I found this very, very funny. The first time I saw it, I, I was really tired and I didn't catch it. And when I was editing this for the Twitter thread, I went back and looked at it and went, wait a second, what did he just say? <laughs> and there's just, I find this funny because he's, again, it's like he's just sarcastically reading the copy. Donald J. Trump is a pathological crazy person, basically. That's kind of the subtext I picked up. So here's Eric Sean.
3: New York State Attorney General Letitia James, who you just saw, well, she wanted a penalty of $370 million. She got nearly $364 million and that number will go up because of interest. Judge Arthur Engoron ruled the former president and his sons engaged in a years-long financial fraud to deceive banks and lenders. The judge said, quote, their complete lack of contrition and remorse borders on the pathological. The judge also said this about the former president's testimony on the stand, quote, overall Donald Trump rarely responded to the questions asked and he frequently interjected long irrelevant speeches on issues far beyond the scope of the trial. His refusal to answer the questions directly, or in some cases at all, severely compromised his credibility. Mr. Trump's lawyer, Alina Habba, blasted the ruling as, quote, a manifest injustice, and she vows an appeal. The Trump legacy of the art of the deal, now it seems hangs in the balance
0: Uh, well I, i have a feeling mr sean wrote that copy himself um again i don't think he was meaning to be funny but there's something about uh just i'm gonna read it in that voice like overall donald j trump rarely responded to the questions asked and he frequently interjected long irrelevant speeches on issues far beyond the scope of the trial his refusal to answer the questions directly or in some cases at all severely compromised his credibility (laughs) and then the other line that cracked me up was their complete lack of contrition and remorse borders on the pathological (laughs) i'm like well played well played very very funny so the only other thing that's kind of over the top because special report with brett bear is their sort of legit uh news program although i still think neil cavuto is better i said it um he's he's neil cavuto is just like what Fox could be. And then it's like, this is straight news. You can tell it's got a conservative uh, bias to it, but it's it's just very subtle. But you know, it's, it's just because they, the guests they have on are con- more conservative. So this last real quick clip is uh, from a panel talking about the case at the very end of the show. Uh, special report again, a little bit more subdued. This is Vince Colonese. He's a conservative radio uh, host. AND HE, OF COURSE, WENT RIGHT TO you know HYPERBOLIC LANGUAGE. Well,
2: THEY ARE saying WHAT I'M SEEING, WHICH IS THAT A LOT OF THIS IS JUST THE EXPRESSION OF SNARLING TYRANNY HAPPENING ALL ACROSS THE COUNTRY BECAUSE YOU HAVE ELEMENTS OF THE LEFT THAT ARE CONTROLLING THE LEVERS OF POWER INSIDE OF THESE CRIMINAL JUSTICE SYSTEMS WHO ARE FURIOUS AT THE IDEA THAT TRUMP COULD BE ELECTED BASED ON THE VOTER SUPPORT. Which really was-
0: So I wish I could convey to someone like him that there's a lot of Americans that just look at Trump as a straight-up criminal, especially after January 6th. And so for us to be like, oh, so big deal, you know, we shouldn't prosecute him because, you know, people like him and they should be able to vote for him, is like, wait a second, didn't he try to overthrow an election in multiple ways because he lost and he just thought he shouldn't have to lose and his you know he could just throw a fit and get his supporters to show up and throw a fit and then the rest of us are just like oh well disenfranchised gotta go with this guy no thank you no thank you so special report top five topics were trump civil fraud trial 25 percent uh the spending bill that includes spending for ukraine israel 15 percent Alexei navali's death 13 percent Trump's legal problems. It's just discussions about all of them. Twelve percent and notable quotables, which is a regular bit on uh, special report. Seven percent. Moving on to the Ingram angle and Judge Janine Pirro was sitting in for Laura Ingram because it's Friday. And there was one time she didn't do it this this time on Friday, but there was one time when Judge Janine literally said, "I'm going to be sitting in for the Laura Ingram show." And her coworkers had to correct her and say, it's the Ingram angle. And she said, is it? And I, yeah, that's a true story that was on the five. And I sat back going, it's just amazing. Like nobody does anything on this network. They openly admit, like, I didn't read it. I didn't watch it, but I'm going to discuss it anyway. And I'm like, you guys are like those, those people in classes in college that I'm like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here anyway? So this starts off with Judge Piero basically describing the whole situation.
2: Judge Arthur Engoron is finally getting the spotlight he wanted so badly at the start of Trump's New York civil fraud trial. Late today, he ordered the former president and his companies to pay $355 million, claiming they are liable for quote persistent and repeated fraud. Each of the boys are ordered to pay million in fines. The decision by this judge is nothing more than an unhinged leftist judge and an attorney general on a power trip trying to take down a former president of the United States and take away his assets.
0: And again, another reference to a 40-year-old and a 46-year-old man, or two men in their 40s, basically, as boys. (laughs) They're both executive vice presidents of the trump organization so they're not just simply or related to donald j trump so we got hit with a fine and how the hell is a 46 year old boy okay now we're going to move on to one of my favorites oh god every time he's on every time this man is on fox news i'm like yes (laughs) because it's so clear he's he's you know Jesse Waters, Eric Trump. Jesse Waters, Eric Trump. Who's dumber? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> now I, Jesse Waters. Jesse Waters is dumber. But um, yeah, this is this this will be entertaining. Eric Trump. Listen, Janine.
1: Honestly, my thoughts are the best thing I ever did was get out of New York. New York is a is a hopeless place at this point. Yeah. It's, so- this judge, the animosity, the way he looked at my father in the courthouse was was horrible. I've never seen such hatred in anybody's eyes before and that we didn't wow. have a chance Janine we just didn't have a chance in New York because it's a rigged system and to a city my father
0: built the skyline of New York City and this is the things he gets that was my particular favorite line because it's just no he did not New York City was founded in 1624 the city's most iconic buildings the Empire State Building the Chrysler Building Rockefeller Plaza Flatiron Building Radio City Music Hall, the Woolworth Building, to name a few, all predate Donald J. Trump's real estate career. Another one would be the Pan Am Building. It's named something else right now. Uh, Grand Central Station. Uh, There's so many of them. They're just stunning, gorgeous, amazing buildings that are literally the skyline of New York. The World Trade Center, uh, the new one. You, oh, I did not build this skyline. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. When everybody thinks of New York, you think of the Empire State Building, which was built, like, way, way before Donald J. Trump was even born. Like, shut up. And the Chrysler Building, which is a work of art. I, when I had my internship, I, I interned at a building that was next to the uh, Chrysler building, I could see it from the window and I would just stare at it. It is a work of art and no, your father didn't build it. He built a bunch of tacky 1980s buildings that still look like tacky 1980s buildings. (sighs) Okay, I'm coming down, I'm coming down.
2: It didn't matter this guy. You know, we were trophies on a wall for this guy. You know. Well, you know, and I I hear the passion in your voice and I mean, so many people agree with you. So many people agree.
1: No different than impeachment one, impeachment too, the russia hoax the spying on his campaign the going after kavanaugh the going after all of his advisors
0: we we're just trophies on the wall that man trophies on a wall trophies okay that also made me laugh in the newsletter which is going to be for paid subscribers i did include a hyperlink to the real deal which includes the 10 top 10 real estate developers in new york city and trump is nowhere near it he's nowhere near it A lot of the buildings that have his name on it were actually he just licensed his name. He had nothing to do with them. And that's kind of what Jessica uh, Tarloff was talking about. And then a lot of those buildings that were not built by Trump, that just had the name Trump on them, they're tearing the name off because they don't want to be associated with him. Because get this, true story, people uh, were having problems selling their apartments because people didn't want to buy an apartment in a Trump building, even though he didn't build it, because his name is such mud in this city that people were like, no, I can't, I'm not. So they literally like pulled the name off the building. True story. You can watch clips of it. So um, next up is Jonathan Turley, who's uh, a legal expert, a lawyer who's on Fox all the time, also talking about this.
2: No,
1: they're trying to... Uh, I was hoping this judge uh, would transcend expectations and show that uh, he could hand down a more moderate uh, sanction. Uh, But, you know, this is the equivalent to the gross national product of a number of countries. Now,
0: if of course it is, it is that big. But if Trump really is as wealthy as he claims to be, which he claims to be all the time, This really shouldn't be that much money for him to shell out, right? You'd think, you'd think. Now this last clip is not about the Trump fraud trial because again, as the evening went on, they started to shift. I don't know if they got bored with this, if they just couldn't keep yelling about the same thing. But um, the Fonnie Willis story started creeping back in. And this is Horace Cooper. He is a black man and I have to give that context because what he says is so outrageous that you need the context of knowing that he's also black. Um, he's the founder of this group called Project 21. He's a staunch conservative. Now, this is a comment that he made about F- John Floyd III, Fannie Fanny Willis's father, who testified and said about, you, you know, having a lot of cash on hand, it's a black thing, which I don't think, I have no idea why these people freaked out. Um, but they, people on Fox acted like that comment was like this racial slur, basically. And I'm like, how is that a racial slur? <laughs> Like, it's like me saying, well, if you're from St. Louis, you might eat gooey butter cake. It's a St. Louis thing. You know, it's, it's kind of similar. <laughs> it's a weird dessert that we, it's way too sweet that we, um, people in St. Louis make and eat and love and all that weirdness. Or, you know, I'd say if you're German, if you're from a German American family, you might like, you know, whip out the accordion, and dance a polka, which is, you know, another thing that's a true thing that you will see there. One of my grandfathers did that very thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, um, so this is Horace Cooper.
1: Um, it looked to me like we were watching uh, David Duke in blackface. <laughs>
0: uh. Saying that you keep a lot of cash on hand is a black thing is David Duke in black? What? Are you okay, Horace Cooper? Like, that is so nutty. Like, it's just, I, I don't get it. Cause, like, people say, like, oh, you know, like, I like to eat this food. It's a, it's a, you know, I make fun of white people all the time cause I'm the whitest white person ever. And I think white people, you know, we, we could get knocked down a peg. It's okay. It's okay. You know, like, we're not really discriminated against in the same way that people of color are. So we, we should make fun of ourselves. We should, we should knock a, you know, be silly about it, be self deprecating. And like like you 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 come to like a wedding in my family you're going to see some dorkiness that's difficult to replicate unless you are the shade of alabaster that I am. You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to see stuff that you're like, "Really? Are we eating another jello mold? Are we doing that? Are we going to put f- canned fruit in a jello mold and mix it with cool whip and call it something? We're doing that, aren't we?" We're using a lot of Velveeta here, aren't we? There's a lot of Velveeta happening in this food. How many boxes and cans did you open to make that casserole? Please explain. Okay, see what I'm saying? I But saying like, because I, I would say it's a, a dorky white thing without even pausing. So it's a black thing. Maybe it is a black thing. Who cares? Why are you freaking out? Everybody on Fox, like that's just, they're just, oh, these people are not honest. Okay, so n- Ingram Angle, Trump civil fraud trial, 47% of the show. So it was almost half. Fonnie Willis scandal, 18%. It was creeping back. Biden visit to East Palatine, 13%. 10% was a war on Christians in Nicaragua. That was a specific, separate, pre-taped segment that Ingram herself made. And then Travis Kelsey was drunk at a celebration. (laughs) Can't make that up. 4%. Yeah. A football player got drunk at a, celebra- a celebration for winning the Super Bowl. And that was news on Fox. Moving on, we go into Jesse Waters' primetime. Now, this was the dumbest of the dumb of the entire evening. I could barely pull anything together. Jesse Waters kind of barely talked about the Trump uh, fraud trial and just spent most of his time mispronouncing Fonnie Willis's name. I am not kidding. This man is so... It inc- just... It hurts me. It hurts me that he has an audience. I don't think he's nearly as dangerous as his predecessor, um, Tucker Carlson. He's not, because he's not pushing the same kind of garbage, but he's just so dumb. It's just like, I can't even, whew.
1: Day two in the Fannie Willis hearing, meet Fannie's daddy. It's a black thing, okay? Judge Nudie's filthy ruling against the Trump organization. Fox News Alert: A judge in New York is ordering Donald Trump to pay over 350 million dollars in fines. And Judge Nudie, we call him that because he takes nude gym selfies. His daddy knew COVID was coming before Fauci and didn't warn us. Bad daddy. Later, Fanny's daddy pulled a magnifying glass out to look at documents. Like he was Sherlock Holmes?
0: Okay, Waters acts like that was like a, you know, wooden, beautiful, antique looking, looks like a prop type of magnifying glass. No, it was a giant plastic lit magnifying glass that a lot of elderly people use because I'm gonna blow your mind here, Jesse Waters, but when you hit 40, if you are already nearsighted, it's worse if you're already nearsighted, which I am, you get farsighted, like a switch goes off and it's like you gotta be kidding me. Now I can't see fine print. In addition to not being able to see distance, yes, aging is fun. And this is an elderly man. I tried to look up his age. I couldn't find it. But he's clearly an elderly man. And you know what? I'm gonna just gonna burst your bubble here, Mr. Waters. But he's using that to read. Oh, what a horrible! Just shout out. You're so dumb. He's 45. Jesse Waters is 45 years old. How does he not know this? He just thinks it's funny? Like, oh, you're like, a-? shut up, you dumb eyebrows and hair, you weirdo. Okay, I'm getting too worked up.
1: What happens with this nudie ruling? We call him nudie, he takes naked gym bathroom selfies. We now yeah. have a financial assassination attempt on the leading Republican candidate. He's beating Joe Biden, and they're trying to bankrupt the guy with financial shenanigans with cases that have never been brought in the history of the <laughs> state. Did Fanny's daddy know about the lover boy? He said he heard about him on the news like the rest of us.
0: I mean, the entire show. It was just Fanny's daddy, Judge Nudie, repeat. What are you talking about? It's like Jesse Waters is like, basically a 13-year-old boy who's like, somebody's gonna give you a show, and there you go. And his staff, the people who write his scripts, because somebody definitely writes his scripts. Oh, trust me, somebody writes his scripts. I can tell. Because uh, I can tell when he's riffing and when somebody's written something. you can. It's like night and day. And it's like, wh- wh- he's just like, and I think that one, that particular script was heavily written by Mr. Waters himself. Because it was just a series of, Fanny's daddy, Fanny's daddy, Judge Nudie, Judge Nudie. We call him Judge Nudie because he takes nudes. I took a shirtless gym cell- Who cares? It's no relevance of anything. I just, ah. So Jesse Waters' primetime, here's his breakdown. Trump civil fraud trial, 19%. Fonny Willis scandal, 18%. Biden visit to East Palestine, 18%. FBI informant arrested by FBI, sort of. Not really, but FBI informant arrested by DOJ. It's uh, kind of, anyway. 16%. Biden bashing, 12%. Now, I knew Sean Hannity wouldn't let me down. <laughs> so I'm like, if anyone on Fox is going to lose their minds over this, it's going to be Sean Hannity. Because he is so far up Donald J. Trump. It's like they're one person. It's like they've become, they've melded, their brains have melded. Because Donald J. Trump and Hannity have this bizarro relationship. Uh, It just, hmm. And where Hannity just completely feeds him. And then Trump, like, like, leans on Hannity. Now this opened up with a very, very long extended monologue. As Hannity is wont to do. And it was very boring. But he ended it with this ominous warning.
1: Leftists in America—they're probably celebrating. What happens uh, if one day they come for you?
0: Now I openly admit this next clip was was recycled from the weekly uh, podcast. But now it re-listens to every episode, and I'm telling you, this is worth repeating. <laughs> Alina Haba, who's now my new favorite crazy person in the Trump orbit, is just—it's just. It's just- Chef's kiss here. Chef's kiss. I'm just going to play it. This is her ranting about the case, which she helped uh, fumble massively, massively. They will not get away with it. We will come at them. We will come hard and we will literally fight until the truth comes out. There everything Trump, including his children, his company, employees, that are working for him, doing their job. That is the desperation of our country
3: at this moment, which is about to go into world war. Imagine you're dragging children through this. That's the
0: desperation we're at. Allen Weisselberg, Jeff McConaughey, people that did their jobs and did nothing wrong. And that is how desperate they are because they're going to lose. James had her shoes off in court. Let's not forget that. I called it out in the closing argument, but it's true. She had a Starbucks coffee in her hand. She wasn't doing work. She wasn't sitting at the council table. She was in the back with her shoes off and a coffee and at the end of the day we're sitting there looking at this going this is the state of our country so Alina Haba, for starters again the Trump children are 40 and 46 years old and they are executive vice presidents of the company so just okay second you worked on this case and you knew it was to a judge you had to appeal to a judge you had to make your case to a judge, not a jury. And you thought it was a brilliant plan to go in there and be like, Your Honor, Letitia James is sitting there with her shoes off, sipping a Starbucks coffee. She's sipping a Starbucks coffee. This is not professional. Sure, my client may have wandered off and start talking about water pressure in the Panama Canal when he was on the stand. I don't know if he did, but based on the notes, I'm assuming and maybe perhaps he did that but i your honor your honor she did she was drinking a starbucks coffee a starbucks coffee how dare she can't quite get her subtle new jersey situation down it's harder when it's subtle cuz it's like it's like very but i'm going to get mad at things like the judge telling me to sit down how dare you how tell you dare you tell me to sit down and we will fight we will fight and I will wear ugly coats that cost too much money that have one arm that's pink and an ugly fur collar of a dead animal because I think it's 1985. And then I will yell and I will yell stridently, stridently to cameras, even though I can't win a case to save my life and I'm terrible. I'm a terrible attorney. Whew. God, woo. Lena Haba, I'm telling you, she's hilarious. Now now we're going to move on to Ellen Dershowitz, who was also hilarious. Hilarious. Because you can't see it, this is an audio clip, of course, but when he is asked to pick up his book, to talk about his book, he picks up his book, he flashes it in the camera, and he gives an absolutely maniacal smile. Maniacal, like completely creepy, like, okay, all that Epstein stuff. Ah, hmm. Maybe don't look like that on camera. Maybe don't give me, give me a super creepy, super creepy, like you're going to murder me smile. But Alan Dershowitz, Alan freaking Dershowitz.
1: Uh, Professor Dershowitz, I'll start with you. You wrote a best-selling book, Get Trump. Where did you get the title for that book?
3: (laughs) I I got it from, obviously, Letitia James' campaign. Uh, She ought to be brought up before the bar. You should not have an elected prosecutor campaigning on the promise to get a particular defendant. Now, if she didn't get him, she would lose the election. This is a variation of Stalin and Beria back in the 1930s when the head of the KGB says to Stalin, show me the man, I'll find you the crime. And it's so dangerous because it will mean that business people are not going to want to run for office because they know if they run for office, partisans are going to go after them, investigate them, figure out some way of getting them.
0: So just as a side note, I'm already collecting all of the Stalin references in reference to this case, which I think I already have like three so far. And that'll just keep piling up. Uh, which, that's kind of funny because this is, was a civil trial and the penalty is money and not doing business in New York. No one's getting locked up. No one's going to prison. No one's getting tortured. No one's dying. I mean, like, Stalin, you're comparing Stalin to a civil trial. Just, again, shut your mouth, Alan Dershowitz. I'm surprised I will give it to him i'm surprised he didn't find a way to weave in martha's vineyard because he has a tendency to do that because he uh loves to complain about the fact that people don't like to talk to him at martha's vineyard anymore because he's supported trump or backed trump now the top five topics on hannity were 61 percent which i knew would be the case thank you sean hannity for being predictable the trump civil fraud trial 21 percent was hunter biden because he found a way Twelve percent Biden's visit to East Palestine, five percent FBI informant arrested for lying to FBI, and one percent was a breaking news story about a, a house fire in Virginia that was odd that just they just stuck in at the end of the show. Um, but that's how lopsided the show it was. Just all this basically, and he didn't really bring up Fannie Willis, which was interesting. He did a little bit, but not obviously not much because it wasn't even in the if the top five. The last one in the top five was one percent. Funny, Willis was basically just mentioned. So um, I'm planning to do those as I I suspect we're going to have more meltdowns over Trump's legal problems because I always find the stuff amusing because we live in very scary times. And Donald J. Trump is a threat to our country. He's a threat to, I think, the world's safety. I think the guy's a complete menace, a sociopath. I'm not holding back um just i can't i just no i can't i think he's an intimate danger but i do like and i do enjoy watching these people promote him lose their minds it it will always be amusing to me because we got to find humor where we can get it and if we just take everything like dour, it's like i don't you know i don't think i think this is a way to let off a little bit of steam So that's it for the podcast. Um, If you would like to support Decoding Fox News, you can go to my Substack for Decoding Fox News, my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. The written version of this podcast that includes the charts and a bunch of hyperlinks will be available for paid subscribers. Um, I'm going to open up some of it so you can get a little preview if you're a a non-paid subscriber. You can find Decoding Fox News on x formerly known as twitter threads which i'm starting to really love get into we also have instagram TikTok, and for youtube and facebook it's juliet jesky spelled juliet as in romeo and meaning one t that's the british spelling and then jesky is j-e-s-k-e and i cannot end the podcast without giving a shout out from the mascots of the podcast odin and thor a tuxedo and a black cat who send their love. Thank you so much. I will see you at the next podcast.